0: Hi, I'm Rob Worrell, and you're listening to the NL full time podcast. Yep, you guessed it. That was the magnificent seven, and congratulations to Yeovil on seven straight wins in the National League Premier, and also in doing so, ending the longest unbeaten run in that division for this season. It's been a roller coaster of a week across the three national leagues. In the South, Willston's run of 10 straight wins has come to an end. And in the north, Brackley hit Bradford Park Avenue for eight. Well, Luke's away in Dubai this week uh, doing a bit of touristy stuff, but we hope he'll still make time to listen in. And uh, Dickie's very kindly going to send us a roundup of the National League North, which we'll play out a little bit later on. But I'm joined on the line this morning by the other two members of our intrepid team. Uh, we'll go first, Jude. We'll go with distance first. Good, Good morning or... Indeed, uh, happy lunchtime, Tom Lang. Hi guys, how you doing? And uh, a little bit closer to home, but still a very long way from me in Cambridgeshire. <laughs> Up in the north somewhere is Chris Pratt.
1: Yeah, good morning, guys.
0: Right, guys, we've got to start with Yeovil. I know we're all across it. It's a fantastic run. Seven matches now, seven straight wins, 21 points in the space of about three and a half weeks. And they ended the longest unbeaten run in the National League at the weekend by coming from behind to beat Bromley. Now, first things first, in the week... Yeovil brushed aside and I think that's probably the appropriate words uh, the challenge of Aldershot Town at the EBB Stadium it was a 3-1 victory and afterwards I caught up with the Yeovil manager Darren Saul. I'm joined on a wet Tuesday night in North East Hampshire by the uh, Yeovil town manager Darren Saal. and Darren, life is good right now 6 consecutive wins in the National League, 18 points in less than 3 weeks, you must be chuffed to bits
2: Yeah, it's funny, I've stopped whinging about the uh, fixture schedule now Now that we're winning, but no, 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 the players have been been excellent. You've
0: been gradually bringing players in, haven't you, as the season's underway, a little bit behind some of the other teams, but obviously off the field, you've had a change of uh, ownership. Um, How easy or hard has it been for you to keep the two things separate?
2: It's been very easy to keep things separate because, you know, I'm governed by one thing. Mm. Um, the, the difficulty's been, I came in two days before pre-season started. We started with 10 players and we brought in players one at a time. We made sure we did it right. I still don't think we're going to be right or at our best until January. People are yeah. going to hear that and think, mm. well, I know it all, Big Ed. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I really don't think that we're going we're gonna to kind of really stick and, and, and be cohesive in it's uh, an optimal level until January but Mm. we we brought in some really good people, uh, some smashing characters, very very tough characters and at the moment they are make no bones about it they are the gel that, that keeps everything together
0: sometimes in football when you've not got a win and, and and people give you the plaudits and say oh no good so you don't even really want to hear that do you but having won tonight i'll tell you i've watched every order shot game bar one this season and that's the best performance i've seen against them and a number of people around me have said that too let's talk about the quality of the goals particularly the second and the third beautiful flowing attacks a little touch round the corner a lovely finish from uh, Jimmy Smith yeah. and then at the other end Reece Murphy with his fourth and uh, a quality finish too
2: yeah look no, it's, it's it's all about for me it's all about simplicity that mm. The game has become riddled with complexities and philosophies and values <laughs> and all these big pretentious words. It's yeah. about simplicities, Yeah. For, in my opinion, only in my mm. opinion. Um, and what they're doing, they're doing them very well at the moment. And, and you know, I, 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 I work very hard trying not to complicate my work or, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, we, and we're executing those simplicities very, very well. I think any manager or coach will probably endorse those thoughts. Uh, and, and we've just got our continue to make sure that the execution of that is right. We've all seen days where it, you don't execute or the execution's poor. Mm. Um, we've had those this year, definitely. and We're, we're going to have them during the season, absolutely. But the one thing that I'm um, most settled or uh, content about is obviously the quality of our characters and our squad. They're a magnificent group of characters. Real desire, real determination and because of that it's been really easy to reconnect the supporters with our players and you see that moment at the end there in mm. the corner it was a it's a wonderful moment to be able to lead a group of men into into trying to forge that relationship and build that relationship and at the moment everything feels pretty pretty good
0: well you've led me on to my final question it was about those visitors 379 visiting fans and uh, a special moment over there but uh, that's the second special moment on the road in three days. Uh, it was Chorley on Saturday. They've had to do a fair amount of miles, haven't they? But they'll keep coming if you keep playing like this.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think anyone just wants to see tryers. I think mm. we're building really high expectations at the minute, which can be dangerous. But, um, you know, our players are trying hard. And why they try hard, mm. uh, I've got no problem with them. But I think it's so important that people that spend their week uh, at work and they spend their, their money that they earn uh, coming and travelling, Um, to places um, you know like today and like Saturday I think it's really important that you show an endeavour and you show a a human quality that endears them to you and uh, what we've got at the moment is like I said we've got a wonderful squad of men that that show those qualities in abundance we're playing some okay football if I say Mm. Um, and um, and once we kind of carry on that sort of trajectory or that timeline of uh, improvement I'm sure we'll play even better in the future but as it is for now I think it's been a really important period reconnecting our community with our football club because it's, you know, it's gone through a, a bit of a difficult stage now that the ownership has uh, has been compl- uh, concluded. There's no excuse now but for the people of Yeovil to really get behind their football club, the community to drive the football club and supporters, communities, fans. Uh, they're the people that drive football clubs. It's not managers, it's not players, it's it's, it's the supporters out there.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Well done tonight. Uh, on, good mate. luck and we'll see you down in Yeovil later in the season. Thanks, mate. That was the Yeovil manager, Darren Sal, and uh, boys, what a run. I've got to come to uh, you first, Tom, because you are the one member of the team brave enough to say Yeovil are going to smash it this season. And it looks like uh, they're coming good on your prediction.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like to really claim any credit for that. It was more a case of, I just thought they were kind of dark horses. I thought they were going to be a side that no one really knew too much about there was always going to be a large amount of flux in their squad, um, purely when you looked at the amount of players that they released over the summer. So it's just a case of whether or not Darren Sahl was able to get in the players he wanted, who could play a system and adapt to it quickly. And, you know, as you've just mentioned, seven wins on the trot. The proof of the pudding seems to be in the eating. Um, you know, since, uh, since Darren Sahl came in, Yeovil have signed 17 players. That's an entire squad. And they have jailed well. You know, they took a couple of games to get going. But they're really motoring well and a 3-1 win against Bromley is absolutely not to be sniffed at.
0: And Chris, your thoughts on Yeovil? Well, um, I think uh, Tom might have been sweating early on in the season because uh, when they
1: first started off they, they looked like they were struggling to adapt to the division. But I think... As Tom explained, you know that could be due to the big uh, player changes that they, that they had down there, but they're certainly looking like the real deal. And moving on to Saturday's game, uh, they played a game against the Bromley team, who uh, unfortunately had to play most of the game without a, a recognised keeper with Mark Cousins going off. But uh, Yeovil did the business because that was a real nasty clash in the... Very early stages of that game that can sometimes affect both teams. It was a sickening one. I've seen it on the uh, on the highlights. We wish both players uh, well, certainly after that. But uh, in terms of Yeovil, they did the business again, and wow, seven in a row! Absolutely fantastic in the flying up that league. And don't forget,
0: it was a Bramley team who who are who were and still are top of the league. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, 29 points from their 14 games, Bromley. And one thing, perhaps they'll be relieved as, uh, as they look at things in the cold light of day, that everything that possibly could have gone wrong in one match did all happen in the one game. Whereas, uh, you know, when you're down the other end of the table, um, things can seem to repeatedly happen week on week. You know,
3: one thing that they have done well in recent weeks is they've used the loan market. Um, they've brought in Jimmy Smith from Crawley uh, in the middle of last month, and he scored three goals already. Um, but it could lead to problems later on down the line. Um, and I'm just looking at their goalkeeper situation. Uh, they've just had Marcin Brzozowski... In in goal, he was on a one-month loan. He's gone now. They've got Adam Smith on a one-month loan from Forest Green Rovers. And you do just wonder, as we get into the Christmas period, will that lack of consistency in such a key position on the pitch start to cost them um, with their results?
0: Yeah, and sandwiched in between those two sides in the top three are FC Halifax Town. And they had the big moment yesterday live in front of the TV cameras. And uh, they didn't let themselves down, did they, Tom?
3: No, they didn't. Um, and Cameron King in particular did himself the world of favors on the on the cameras. You know, his uh, second goal is a moment that Lee Morgan will absolutely wish wasn't broadcast live to the nation on BT. Um, he scored his ninety third, I think, minute goal from forty meters with Morgan just absolutely nowhere to be seen. But again, you know, he talked about the lack of people who would have been predicting Goval to be where they are. Who on earth would have seen Halifax? being in this position of the league, quarter of the way through the
0: season. Well, none of us, clearly, most of us had them (laughs) down in the bottom uh, four, uh, myself included. And and they continue to confound us all, really. Uh, One of the things I've really noticed about Halifax, Darren Sahl, of course, referring to the simplicity of football and how people complicate it. My goodness me, they know where the goal is, don't they, Halifax? 25 goals in their first 14 games and another clean sheet for them on the road yesterday. Now... A lot of people predicted the demise of Woken. Everybody said they started well last time they were in the National League Premier. Um, And this time they really did keep their good run going for some considerable time. But I have to say, no wins in six. Admittedly, four draws in that. But they came unstuck again uh, yesterday at home to Boreham Wood, uh, despite taking the lead in the 11th minute through uh, Kane Ferdinand. And every time I see the name of the next scorer, I am really chuffed for him and just get that little bit more annoyed about that issue that I can't let go from years ago when he was at Aldershot and didn't get a game. Kabongo Shimanga, Tom. Let's wax lyrical about him again. Yeah, I mean, Shimanga, he really has taken to this division like a duck to water.
3: But what a club he's apt to do it with. Um, You look at Boreham Wood and some of the players they've had in leading the line over the last few seasons. They've had Morgan Ferrier, who's now doing it at Walsall. They've had Bruno Andrade, who's doing it at Lincoln. They are a proven testing ground for players looking to make that step up. And after the season he had with Oxford City, that's exactly what Shimanga wants to do. But let's just look at who the top two scorers are in this division at the moment. Shimanga and Jamie Reed, both of whom have stepped up from the National League South last season. Jake Hyde's just in behind them with Seven as well. It really shows the strength of some of the forward players who are making that step up, particularly when we've talked in the past about how maybe the National League South is actually the poorer cousin in terms of quality compared to the Northern League
1: Tom I think they're absolutely great points and I think it's really really fantastic to see a player step up and do so well like like the two players that you've mentioned and uh, he's absolutely on fire and unfortunately for for Boreham Wood he's in the shop window and I noticed he mentioned on the BT Sports show last night that he's He's definitely in the shop window, and league teams will be looking at him. But he was just one of the many stories I think that that come out of this match yesterday. And if you saw Alan Dowson's interview at the end, it was a it was a very different Alan Dowson to the one that I spoke to last week after the the draw at Chorley, where he was he was quite pleased that his team came through battling Chorley side in a in a really difficult game. But I think one thing that he did mention when I spoke to him last week is a growing injury list there at Woking. And I think it seems to be hampering the progress. And as you say... I don't think they're quite bottom but they're very close to, to bottom of the form table at, at the moment. And quoting some of his um, his things from that interview he said we've just created chance after chance after chance. He was, he was really frustrated that they didn't put them away and he said defensively we were shocking and he just looks really frustrated with, with what was going on. And as you said Rob, that was after an early goal from Kane Ferdinand.
3: I think you're completely right Chris when you talk about those injuries because we spoke at the beginning of the season didn't we about how woken part-time status the fact that they're on a very low budget compared to the league and they've got a senior squad of only 20 players you know injury crises will affect them disproportionately and we always said didn't we like once we get into the business end of the season when the games come thick and fast you know fa trophies starting around now you've got fa cup runs to think about is that squad actually going to be deep enough to sustain uh, the form they started the season with
0: Well, we'll wait and see, boys. Uh, Looking elsewhere in the uh, top seven places. Dagenham and Redbridge consolidated their place there with uh, what would have probably been a frustrating home draw. A nil-nil against Chorley. A good result for Chorley, who is still holding up the league at the other end. A point on the travels never to be underestimated. The other side nestled nicely into the top seven. Barrow, five wins from the last six games. Uh, They beat Maidenhead, United 2-0 yesterday, another side that's just sort of slipping down the table at the moment. And uh, Chris, another goal, another penalty. There's a man who knows how to take penalties. Uh, Other strikers in the National League who missed them yesterday. Have a look at John Rooney. John Rooney is joint top scorer in the National League, boys, from midfield. He takes a a fine penalty and a fine free kick, doesn't he, Chris?
1: Oh, he's, he's a fantastic player. You know exactly how much I... I rate John Rooney, Rob. He's um, everything goes through him, he's he's all over the place and he, he scores goals as well. And as you say, he does take a cracking penalty and what a tough place to go at is barrow. And we're certainly moving into the time of year as well that you know, Barrow's tough in August, but Barrow's even tougher when you're moving into the the winter months, the autumn and winter months. Yesterday was a filthy day; it was probably a filthy day all around the country, I think, and uh, not a day you want to be travelling up to Barrow. And they're looking really good. I was speaking to someone in midweek actually who think um, who think I forget who it was now, but who think Barrow are a bit of a dark horse this season, and um, they're certainly looking like it at the moment. And if they can keep John Rooney fit. And if they can keep John Rooney firing, I think um I think they, they, that person who I forget might be right.
0: <laughs> nice one, Chris. Now those top seven will be looking over their shoulders at the side who've crept up to eighth place now. Notts County, uh and they had a massive celebration day. At the weekend, really, really hoping to uh, smash the National League Premier attendance record. It didn't quite happen. There were a couple of thousand short, but over 9,000 at uh, Notts County. To see them uh, beat one of the early season title favourites, AFC filed 2-0. Goals from Thomas and McCrory uh, set them on their way nicely. And uh, they're just two points and one place outside the top seven boys. And I think credit... At this point, to both Yeovil and Notts County for adjusting from League Two life very, very quickly.
1: Yeah, Rob, it's uh, it's fun. you know it's great for the league, isn't it? To have Notts County in this division. Not good for Notts County because obviously they don't want to be a but well, absolutely fantastic to have them in the league. And yeah, over 9,000 there, as you said yesterday. And with all due respect to Fylde, they're not the most well-supported club of all the clubs in the in the division as well. So, so to set it against Fylde is absolutely fantastic. Now, when I was there earlier in the season uh, against Stockport County, I think it was the, their first home game. It was on a Tuesday night and uh, there was a lot of discontent if there was a misplaced pass and... Um, there was a lot of people who really were just sort of coming to terms. I think with with the national league at Notts County, but it's certainly something that they seem to be doing now at the moment. And as you mentioned, Yeovil also picking up, and they're showing that they're, they've they've um, adjusted a lot quicker than a lot of other sides have in in recent years. And uh, what look, looks like a, a comfortable victory against you know one of our surprises of the season just on file I mean, they did get a couple of wins recently as well so they will have traveled to notts county thinking uh, full of confidence and thinking that they were ready to turn their season round but they do have a game in hand and if they do win that game in hand i think it's in midweek they can travel up to the sort of mid of mid table around about 12th or 13th as well so um one thing that i did note about that is uh, you often pick a lot of what we talk about we pick up through reading match reports and listening to interviews and watching the highlight show on um, on BT Sport and talking to people and what have you and I did notice in one of the reports that uh, that Danny Rowe had a couple of opportunities to equalise for Field. For and um, one thing that stood out for me was uh, at first he failed to control um, when he was through on goal which is something that you don't see very often from Danny Rowe so they'll want to get him up and firing I think they'll be okay they've got so much quality in that squad, but they'll, uh, they'll be wanting to string more than two wins together very shortly.
0: Well, two sides that uh, probably, given recent results, would have been quite happy to get a clean sheet yesterday, got one against each other, and that's Barnet, who uh, conceded seven in their previous two games, but they got back to normal clean sheet status yesterday, playing at home to Solihull Moors, um, who were sat right in the middle of the table. And to be fair to them, they're only four points off the playoff position's And given recent form, probably won't be too unhappy with the goalless draw at Barnet. Now, we've talked long and hard, boys, about the difference between the North and the South. And we've always credited the North as being stronger. The Gulls brushed aside Stockport County in the first half. And Chris, you were there. Tell us all about it.
1: Jamie Reid's performance—he was magnificent yesterday as, as well. And uh, do you know what his strike partner as well, Ben Whitfield? He was also absolutely fantastic for Torquay yesterday. And they, were, they had a, a twenty-minute spell in the first half that they were—they were fantastic. They were helped by some. Poor defending, um, some poor choices that Stockport County made, and uh, some poor on goals. There were fantastic
4: crosses whipped in from the right from Ben Whitfield, but you'd
1: want your defenders to to deal with them. I'm joined by uh, Gary Johnson on a really successful day, and your birthday as well.
4: So, uh, yeah. what a day! Yeah, I've got to try and make my birthday every Saturday, and I. But uh, it really is my birthday. But I tried not to play on it. <laughs> um, but the supporters were great. You know, it's a nice little. Birthday song they sang and um, and you know, the boys deserved the acclaim that they got today from me and the supporters and uh, it was a team effort. I used three subs that were involved and obviously we started off very very well with four goals in the first half and we've been letting in a few goals so we needed to put into practice a lot of the work that me and Downsy have been doing with them and uh, and we saw that today so we was very pleased on all fronts. Can you remember about the first half? Uh, well, not really. Not since last last year. I, I'm sure we've had good first halves and probably sometimes drawn the game where we haven't taken our chances. We, we, you know, we're a team that do create opportunities, and then if you get the, you know, the majority of your opportunities, then you and be four nil up at half time. Then that's a nice, nice feeling. Um, but we did look, we did look dangerous. You know, we, we we picked up the ball many times in the middle third and ran at them. And we got players that can, are dangerous players. You know, Kalala, Whitfield, uh, Reedy. You know, they they're, they're dangerous players when when they're left up there with three v three or even a three v four. So obviously new to this division this season,
1: although you have been in it obviously in recent years yeah, as as, yeah. as well. Have you seen any differences this time
4: round? Yeah, I think the league's um, getting more quality. It's certainly getting more professional, you know. I mean, we haven't played in the dodgy stadium yet, you know. So um, good gates, you know, gets a bit of atmosphere. Even though the atmosphere was a bit down for them, it picks us up. So that's good. Yeah, no, it's and you know, you've got to do well to get results. Certainly, you've got to do well to get a string of results in this league. Mm. So it's a credit to the league, really, because it definitely has. You know, I was there a couple of seasons ago with Cheltenham. But uh, since the Oval days in there, you know, where there was still a few uh, part-time teams, it's now gone, you know, very full-time and very professional. And I think there's only one or two teams that, you know, take off a day uh, of training, whatever it is, you know. But um, no, you, you've got to be a good team to do well in this league and, and you've certainly got to be a consistent team. And uh, that's what some teams have done better than us at the moment because we've still got a few, few teams ahead of us. Okay, well done. Enjoy the journey back. Thanks very much. Uh, it's five losses on the trot for Stockport County
1: now, and uh, confidence is low. Um, Jim Gannon, at the end of the match, speaking to the to the club's media, and I'm just paraphrasing him now, was uh, was talking about some players who maybe haven't made the transition as well as he would have liked. And um, I think he was talking about some changes that may need to be made with the squad. Because don't forget, they did go on a, a run where they won five out of six earlier on in the season um, as well. But uh, but not looking good. And it's, it's, it's difficult to see where the next win is coming from at the moment. Uh, in fairness to, to them, if I do have to... Um, Say something for Stockport County. They dug in in the second half, and they played for pride. And I think they managed to do that in the second half. They managed to 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 get out of it with the fans. I think appreciating their efforts in the in the second half, but certainly not in the first half because. Well, I think it just it wasn't the defending and the options that were made just weren't really good enough. Very quickly they did sign Adam Hamill from, uh, from Scunthorpe United on loan for a few months and he just looks absolute classes
3: above everyone else on the park but unfortunately couldn't get on the score sheet. I think Chris has just given a really nice little insight into the mind of a fan there as well. After which, <coughs> Stolport lose their last five games by an aggregate score of 15 to 1. They're so desperate to ripple the back of the net that he's even claiming hat trick goals off strikers to
0: put them down as OGs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, paper, Tom. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, he really good. I mean, you're absolutely right. Reid was only credited uh, with two of the goals yesterday. What that means is. Uh, that him, Shimanga, and Rooney are all on nine for the season, and as I look at that sort of edited top goal scorers list, I cannot see the names of Danny Rowe, uh, Paul McCallum. They're both stuck on four for the season, which doesn't get them in that little uh, clip. And uh, wow, a disappointing start to the season for both of them. And uh, uh, that meanwhile, the race between us uh, pundits uh, is is pretty even in terms of predicting up our top goal scorer. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to the other results in the National League. Uh, Well, Harrogate Town are just starting to creep into a little bit of form. Three wins and two draws in their last six games. And credit there to Simon Weaver because uh, he's got them up to 11th now. They're just three points off the playoffs and... uh, They got themselves a handy little home win at the weekend, 2-0 over Sutton United. But uh, I wanted to uh, congratulate Harrogate, but also use this, Tom, to just discuss Sutton United. Um, I didn't realise quite how much they've been slipping down the table, unbeaten, of course, in their first five or six games this season under new manager uh, Matt Gray. But now they're hovering dangerously close to those relegation positions. They are. They are. They're only
3: one point above um, older shot in the last relegation position. Um, you know, I, I always think in, until we get towards, uh, you know, the end of October, it's generally too early to really be making too many observations at the table. But Matt Gray will want to see some improvement. Um, I noticed that they brought in. Sorry, just give me two seconds. Who was it? Uh, they brought in Kyle Reid this week. So clearly he thinks there's something missing in the attacking third of the pitch. Um, despite all the talent that he's got available to him, the likes of Tommy Wright, Tom Bolarinwa, um, he, he clearly feels there's something missing there. Um, but they do need to start turning it around. Um, as you mentioned, they, they're well down the bottom of the form tables. They've only got one win in the last uh, nine games. Um, so they do need to start turning it around quickly. Um, Another team who needed to start turning around quickly, of course, were Wrexham, who got a 1-0 win at Epsu yesterday, which is their first three points in the league since the 13th of August when they uh, beat Halifax Town.
0: Yeah, and I saw the interview with Brian Flynn after that game at the race course yesterday, and uh, I loved what he had to say. He said, yep, we're back to 1-0 wins. Very happy with that, he said. He was a.
1: He was also. Uh, I thought he was also uh, very, very gracious and um, very um, complimentary about uh, Brian Hughes as well, wasn't he? Because he was talking about how he'd worked with him, and um, he was disappointed um, for for Brian. And apparently, Brian Hughes did mention um, that he wished all the best for uh, for, for Rexham, and he hoped uh, he hoped they got the three points. So, so that was good to hear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, uh, Brian Hughes uh, departing Wrexham early last week and uh, Brian Flynn coming in to take the caretaker-managership. Who knows whether that's something they'll uh, continue with for the rest of the season or whether the hunt is already on to uh, to replace Hughes. Just a couple of other games to focus on in the National League Premier at the weekend. Eastleigh and Hartlepool, well, they played out what was probably a fairly predictable Draw one all at the Silver Lake and both sides remain firmly in mid-table. And the other game was between two sides in the bottom four or the bottom five as uh, as yesterday started. And uh, listen, if Alan Dowson at Woking is unhappy about the number of chances Woking failed to convert on Saturday, he's got absolutely nothing on Danny Searle, who, believe me, if he had any hair, would have torn the rest of it out, stood on the sidelines At the Pro Act yesterday. I've got to be straight boys. In terms of attacking creativity. The best performance I've seen from Aldershot all season. Uh, It was like, if you like Chris, the, the, the performance in the first half at Stockport. But sadly with only one goal. I had 19 different efforts noted on my pad for Aldershot yesterday. And somehow they contrived to lose a game. They pretty much dominated from start to finish. Credit to Chesterfield, they took sort of two of six chances. While unfortunately for Aldershot, uh, Harry Paniatu became the second player and missed Aldershot Town's third penalty of the season. Three penalties awarded, all three of them missed. And I'm afraid that one ended up rattling around in the uh, stand where the Aldershot Town fans were housed. Uh, The only bright spot for Aldershot on the day was the continued good form of that young man, Ethan Chislett, who uh, another tidy finish for him, his fourth goal of the season. And here is the man who predicted it all, Tom Lang.
3: (laughs) I mean, I absolutely don't think I get credit here. Um, I think the credit for Ethan Chislett's form, not only to Danny Self for bringing it out of him at Aldershot, but it just goes to the Met Police. The youth system that those guys have got in place down there um, under John Nurse, who, who runs the academy at Met Police, who I'm sure you guys remember from his playing days, they are just t- churning out talent. You've got Nesta Guinness Walker, who's starting games for AFC Wimbledon, who, who moved there in the summer. Ethan Chislett, who's on form, one of the one of the best players in the National League at the moment, in my opinion. But we called it. You know, I watched him a lot last season. He was technically a class above pretty much anyone that Met Police played. Um, I remember recommending him as a future England Sea player um, and it looks like he will cross that line this season but you know if you're a National League manager and you're looking for technical ability married with uh, confidence in young players well Ethan Chislett was just one of that midfield group that could have moved up from Met Police over the summer you've still got John Gis- Gilbert there you've still got Luke Robertson there um, there are players at Old Met Police rather, who can make that step up and just so much credit goes to Gav McPherson and the team at the Met Police but for the players they're turning out at the moment.
0: Focusing finally on that game is give credit to Chesterfield who found a way to win a football match. Just their second of the season uh, and their second consecutive win at home. So uh, I don't think their fans were delighted at all by the performance and how they were outplayed by Aldershot Town, but they will have been mightily relieved at the three points, which uh, sees them uh, climb closer to Aldershot and closer to getting out of the bottom four. Right, that's about it for our National League Premier Roundup this weekend. We're going to focus on the National League South now. So, in the National League South, the big one yesterday was at Wealdstone, where they took on Haven and Waterlooville. And uh, Wealdstone, going into the game, Tom, had won 10 consecutive matches, and when Ross Lafayette put them ahead on 11 minutes, it looked like it was going to be number 11.
3: It did, didn't it? Um, You know, when when Ross Lafayette scores, they generally win. Simply because they always generally win. Um, you know, I spoke to Jacob Mendy in the week, and uh, he was of the opinion that Wilson, the key to Wilson's success so far this season has been their uh, hard work. Yeah, players always tend to come out with that line. But they were undone by a rampant having a water legal yesterday. Before I talk about having a water legal today, you know, we've really got to discuss this Wilson start of the season. They are the form side in the top six tiers of football, sorry, correction, in the top. Nine tiers of football in the country. They're absolutely smashing it. And the fact that they can lose 4 1s and Waterlooville and still be seven points above them in the table and five points above second place Hemel Hempstead Town after only uh, 12 matches is remarkable and just shows what an incredible start Dean Brennan's had um, up in Rislip. Uh, but in terms of Having and Waterlooville, um, you're seeing the strength of the attacking lineup that. Paul Doswell's built there. Jonah Younger got his, uh, I think, got his ninth goal of the season. Um, and even though Danny Kedwell and uh, and uh, Rutherford haven't really been firing yet, they both scored as well. And when you've got three strikers in the team like that, it's going to be difficult for anyone to live with you. I have to say, I don't think I would have predicted having a Luville to win yesterday, let alone by that score. And for that reason, there's no surprise that Paul Doswell is named as the uh, the manager of the team of the day.
0: Yeah, fantastic away form from Havent and Waterlooville. Played six away from home, one four and drawn two. And uh, that was the battle between the two top scorers by a long, long way in the National League. 28 goals each they now have, but uh, Havent and Waterlooville coming out on top in terms of uh, their defensive ability in the game itself. Now, Hemel... We've been quietly mentioning them all season. They didn't just get a routine home win yesterday. They beat Bath 2-1, but they came from behind and had to do it without Luke Howell, who got sent off. uh, I think it was in the first half. So uh, a a really, really healthy three points for Hemel that keeps them uh, second, Tom.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, their their form is is consistent. They're third in the form table over the last 10 games. They're second in the actual table. And, yeah, they did it the hard way yesterday, but they've got a really strong squad. Um, Sammy Moore came in as the manager. He brought with him Jack Midson, who, of course, scored yesterday. Liam Nash got one of the goals from midfield as well. They have signed well, um, and they look like a dangerous team. I think they probably would have been most people's predictions for a playoff spot. But, you know, if they can maintain this consistency, then there's no reason they can't push for automatic. Bath have just hit the skids a little bit of late. They lost uh, Tyler Harvey in the week. There was a lot of hope for him when he made the step up to Bath from Truro City this season. But um, unfortunately, his work circumstances have changed, so he's gone back to Truro, for whom he scored twice this weekend. But for a side who are a lot of people's dark horses, potentially even for the title, in the National League South. Bath have only actually picked
0: up, uh, you know, six points in their last eight matches. Yeah, just one win away from home for Bath. Queuing up behind those three sides, Hamilton, Hemel and and Waterlooville, are Weymouth, who continue to pass test after test after test under Mark Molesley. They took on Concord Rangers yesterday who weren't too many points or places behind them, but they swept them aside in front of just under a 1,000 fans at Weymouth. So another great home win for Mark Molesley's side. And uh, Braintree kept up their recent decent form by beating Oxford City 1-0. And Slough Town... Uh, here's one for me. I did pick them to push on this year. They didn't have the best of starts, Tom, but a uh, bit of a thriller yesterday. They were 2 0 down at Dartford on 36 minutes and came back to win 3 2.
3: Yeah, absolutely. What a result. And it's Ben Harris with the, uh, the winning goal again. Um, he always seems to pop up in the right place just when Slough need him to. Um, I think the biggest thing with Slough is the consistency. That starting 11 never changes. Um, they've got a small squad, it's compact. They don't seem to suffer from injuries like a lot of clubs do, particularly clubs that play on the 3G. You know, you often get a lot of uh, joint injuries on the 3G, but Slough Town maintain that consistent squad um, and they all work so hard for each other on the pitch. Um, I remember when I spoke to uh, John Underwood last season and he said, The thing that will set Slough apart is we will work harder than anyone we play. And to go to Dartford and get a 3 2 win, um, having gone 2 0 down inside the first 35 minutes really just shows the resilience they've
0: got in that rebel side. Yeah. Now just outside the playoff positions in the national league South sitting in seventh and eighth, a Billericay town and Dorking Wanderers, obviously after another long, crazy merry-go-round of a week at Billericay town. Uh, you could have turned up after an hour yesterday. You wouldn't have missed much, but all the action happened at that point afterwards, Tom, didn't it? And, uh, our uh, friend of the podcast, Jake Robinson, was on the score sheet again, but uh, Billy Rickey took the lead and couldn't hold on.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, they really would have hoped they could hold on after the week they've had. I think um, some, uh, someone called C Benson, who wrote into the non-league paper this week, summed it up best when he said, the only thing that's surprising is that anyone is surprised. Um, <laughs> it happens every few months. Glenn Tamplin will sack himself, reinstate himself, leave as owner, um, sack Harry Wheeler insist on his son starting you know just the stories that abound that come out of that club um, you just have to feel for the players and the supporters who actually just want to go there and, and be part of a community club that's pushing up the leagues um, it is frustrating it's frustrating as an independent neutral supporter who who sees the potential in the squad at Billericay Town and wants them to do well when they're continually undermined by what goes on behind the scenes. Um, you look at someone like Jake Robinson, for example, um, the goals he scored over the last uh, two, three seasons at Billericay Town, it must be very frustrating um, to continually make progress and then just see it whipped out from underneath you. However, um, you know, speaking of progress, you've got to look at Dawking Wanderers. They're seventh in the National League South um, and I think they're there on merit as well. Uh, I don't think anyone would be surprised to see them maintain this league position throughout the season um, and considering where they were a decade ago it is just absolutely remarkable so what a great job uh, Mark White is, has done and continues to do down at Dorking.
0: Yeah and uh, prior with that 90th minute equaliser ensuring that they stayed above Billericchi on the day breathing down there next in ninth place Maidstone United uh, very very comfortable win over struggling St Albans City but the real point I want to make of note from that game, I'm absolutely delighted for some of the performances I've seen him put in over the years when he doesn't get the goals that his performances deserve. But Matt McClure really starting to find his form now. A hat-trick for Maidstone uh, yesterday. And uh, he's always been a bright, exciting player. Uh, when, he, when he played at Aldershot, when he was up front, the side created a lot more chances with his touch and his movement. But uh, finally, he's out of date on where everything went for him.
3: Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that, Robert. It's something I was going to ask you about because I remember speaking to you when Maidstone signed him and, and asking, you know, is he the striker that can get them the goals to bounce straight back up? And you weren't sure because, as you've just mentioned, he's, he's never been a striker. You know, he's almost in that Heskey mould for whom the impact on the team is more important than the goals he scores. Um, so it's great to see him finding his feet at this level, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great day for Matt McClure and Maidstone uh, who are starting to creep towards the... Uh, Top end of the table where I'm sure many people thought they would be this season. Uh, A word for Chelmsford City. Uh, They've probably not been pulling up trees this season despite some reasonable home form. But on their travels yesterday, they went to Eastbourne Borough and uh, that man Higgins with a brace as they put four past Eastbourne, uh, Tom.
3: I'll tell you what, that, I mean, that scoreline just reads like something out of a non-league paper from five years ago, doesn't it? Uh, Chris Welkdale, Sam Higgins and uh, Sean Jeffers with the goals. Um, Chelmsford are certainly reinvent, uh, they're not reinventing the wheel back there. They've gone for what worked with them in the past and it's working for them now. You've got to expect them to rise up the table. You've still not lost a game at home, but uh, their away form has been, frankly, pretty stinky. So a 4-0 victory away at Eastbourne could be just the fillip they need.
0: Yep, Chippenham and Dulwich Hamlet played out a two-all draw, and I don't know the story of the game. What I can confirm, listeners, is it was one-all uh, from 23 minutes onwards, and then all hell broke loose uh, in added time, by the looks of it. Both sides scoring again uh, in the uh, in the final minutes. Tom,
3: yeah, it looks like it doesn't it? Richard Orloo own goal and a David Ajaha goal. I, you know, looking at the the score sheets I don't even know which one of them came first You know, maybe they scored them simultaneously who knows <laughs> um, but yeah it's uh, it, it, interesting with Dulwich I think again they were another side like Bath who were dark horses for a playoff push potentially even even more after the signings they made in the summer um, and you know that huge attendance that they they average down at Champion Hill by far and away the biggest in the league but uh, they're sort of stuck in a bit of a mid-table rut and they need to find a way to get out of it you know they're they're consistently inconsistent in the league uh, and unless they can find some way to turn that around then i worry that their season could just peter out before it's even really begun
0: yeah and just a yes. couple more matches to look at in the national league south those affecting uh, the bottom places really ian herring's hungerford town Remain bottom, but not too far adrift. They were unable to uh, take any points from the game at home to Welling United yesterday, going down 2 1, and just a consolation goal on 90 minutes for Herring's side. The archetypal six pointer between uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough and Tunbridge Angels. And would you believe it, that one was settled with a 90th minute goal, too, Tom. Yeah,
3: well, Sam Deadfield popped up with that winner, which helped uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough leapfrog Tunbridge Angels out of the relegation spot. I've just had to count through the goals yesterday, and seven of them were scored after the 85th minute. So clearly, there's some fitness coaches in the National League South who are doing the right stuff. But yeah, that bottom three, Hampton and Richmond, Tunbridge and Hungerford, I know that's the the three I predicted to finish uh, in the bottom, in that order, in fact. In fact, I might have had Hungerford above Tunbridge, but there are three sides who, in my opinion, are lighter on quality than the rest of the division and I don't really see any of them moving too much from those positions Um, interestingly Danny Waldron got a goal for Welling United on his return from Billeric yesterday Um, and he's just one of a number of players who've been part of an exodus really since the news broke about the change of ownership we've seen him uh, obviously go to Welling Seeing Gavin, Gun- Gavin Gunning is uh, rocked up at Solihull Moores. Craig Robson's gone. And you've got to wonder, you know, some of the other big money signings that they brought in, like Matt Reid, for example, are they going to be within the
0: budget of the new owners? Brilliant stuff as ever, Tom. And uh, if only the season were to end now, you'd be on maximum points for your rede- relegation uh, <laughs> predictions. But uh, who knows? It's a funny old game. And uh, as we all know, the National leagues so unpredictable as well. Right, at that point, we're going to let Tom go. He's got a few more important things on his agenda in the next few weeks, Tom, haven't you? Uh, it's uh, it's honeymoon time.
3: It is, yeah. Off to Japan for the Rugby World Cup. I don't know how I managed to convince my new wife into that one, but uh, I'll take it. I'll, of course, still
0: be keeping up with the non-league football, but I won't be able to join the podcast for a few weeks. Brilliant stuff, Tom. You have a wonderful time, and uh, we'll speak to you in a month or so. Cheers, gents. Take care. Right, forget what I said earlier about getting a National League North roundup from, from Dickie Wharton. He's gone AWOL on us, Chris, so uh, <laughs> you and I are going to have a little chat about uh, the National League North. And where else can we start but uh, with uh, Steve Watson's York City?
1: Well, they're flying high, aren't they, at the moment? And they really do look like the real deal. They haven't lost a game yet this season. They're scoring hatfuls of goals and they're not conceding, so I think all in all that adds up to a pretty good start to the season. And just looking at uh, the beat Kings yesterday three nil at home, and just looking at Kings Lynn manager in Coverhouse, and he said, you know, he thinks that they're playing the the champions of the uh, of the league this season of the National League North. Um, one thing I did note was that the um, the linnets Kings Lynn, really did take the game to York. I think they, they were determined not to sit in and, uh, and sit back and they really had a go at York. And it did take until, I think it was the 71th minute till uh, York got their second goal. One player who did really shine yesterday was David Ferguson. Uh, and he's a player who's got championship experience, no less, with with Blackpool and absolutely marauding uh, left-back and uh, just one of many players who are really shining for York City this season and uh, they're looking good.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned Ferguson because uh, despite that brilliant performance, he hasn't made it into the Na- National League North team of the day in the non-league paper. Always a contentious one, that, isn't it? A little bit subjective and a little bit based, of course, on the reports that come in. From the games, if given that Kings Lynn are actually in third place and they were well beaten by leaders York, might it suggest that if there's one team that can catch York this season, can hang on to their shirt tails, uh, it's possibly uh, Chester, who uh, played uh, in a humdinger yesterday against Leamington. And uh, there's an old saying in football, Chris: if you can't win a football match, make sure you don't lose it. And uh, Chester did that in the 89th minute with as, uh, a final equaliser. Well, they're certainly
1: getting entertainment, aren't they, at Chester this season. Again, another team. I think they've actually scored more than anyone else in the league this season. And no wonder when they're they're having three all-draws against Leamington. Now, I wasn't at Chester yesterday, but um, I know they would have expected to beat Leamington yesterday. Or certainly the fans wouldn't. I don't think, obviously, the managers would have have taken that lightly. Um, But, yeah, they're certainly looking like... um, definite challenges because before yesterday they'd gone on a three-match unbeaten run and I I don't like bragging and I don't like reminding people of things but I did tip them for the top this season Rob.
0: You did, you also said Kings Lynn would do well this season I think we all picked York out for for potential title favourites this season but the surprise package in the National League North Chris is undoubtedly Farsley Celtic who were are in fourth position and uh, for large parts of yesterday's home game against Curzon Ashton, it looked like it was going to be a nil-nil draw and then Curzon took the lead with 20 to go but what a finish for Farsley Celtic, two goals in the final three minutes and uh, as their manager Adam Lakeland tweeted out uh, yesterday, uh, there's nothing like a last-minute winner.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. And uh, and what a season they're they're having so far as well. Um, You know, two sides with a similar sort of following, a similar size support. And I think it's fair to say two of the smaller clubs in in that division. Um, Curzon have punched above the weight for many seasons now. They're not on a great run of form at the moment, in fact they're on a dreadful run of form at the moment but in terms of Farsley, we're talking about Farsley now, that's four matches unbeaten for Farsley when I chatted to Adam Lakeland the other day, we just bumped into him at a a different match, and I was talking to him about the differences between the, the the Northern Premier and the the National League North. And one thing that he has got running through the team is a team spirit. He's got a togetherness. He's kept the spine of the of the team from last season, and they've just sort of carried it over. There's almost been no break over the summer period, has there? Uh, and he's just carried that over into this season. And they're doing tremendously well. I mean, not even in the wildest dreams, I think, could they thought have expected to be in fourth position at this stage of the season.
0: Yeah. Uh, moving ominously up into the playoff positions of Brackley Town and uh, a result that really hit home with me yesterday because uh, a season and a half ago, I went along to Brackley Town to see the National League North playoff eliminator between Brackley and Bradford Park Avenue. And, uh, Yesterday, Chris proved to be uh, a real indicator of the uh, fortunes of those two sides since then because, uh, brilliantly for Brackley, they stuck eight past Bradford Park Avenue yesterday with seven different scorers. But... uh, how times have changed
1: Yeah It's You know As, as fantastic as it is For Brackley um, Scoring eight goals At home And um, you know I'm sure the fans were, Went on an extra Pint or two Last night After, after that match After uh, the, the 8-0 And it's done wonders For their goal difference It's sad to see Bradford In the in the situation That they are in Because a couple of Seasons ago As you mentioned You know Bradford Well It's not even a couple Of seasons ago Is it really It's, it's even less than that Bradford were challenging For the playoffs um from my um perspective I went up there quite a lot, saw them play Stopport County quite a lot. They're always a very, very tough team, very well managed by, by Mark Bauer, and it just seems to well, I know there's a few things going on behind the scenes there, but it's really sad to see the situation that they 're in at the moment. One win, but one statistic really stands out for me um when I look at, at Bradford park avenue and it's that they've conceded thirty five goals this season, obviously conceding eight yesterday was a was a major blow as part of that they've got a goal difference of minus twenty nine the least goal they've scored the least goals in the division and they 've conceded the most and um Ah oh, gosh, yeah, it's it's not looking good for them, and it's difficult to it's difficult to really to shine a ray of hope as well at the, at the moment. But um, I hope they stick in there. I hope they hang in there. Uh, they've got think, to try and make the um, the home ground there at the Horseflesh Stadium a bit of a fortress because if they're, if they're not picking up points at home, they're going to really struggle away. It looks like that um, and that's going to be the case this season.
0: Yeah, very, very tough times at Bradford Park Avenue. They are yet to score their first home win this season. But uh, we wish them all the best. Um, Now, in the terms of the chasing pack, a couple of setbacks yesterday for Alfreton. They took the lead in the third minute against Darlington. But two goals in the last five minutes saw Darlington to a precious three points, which keeps them in a fairly healthy mid-table position. And the other side that uh, slipped up Yesterday were uh, Guysley, They've been in decent form of late, and they took the lead as well, but went down three-one at Gloucester. Chris,
1: yeah, well, just, just quickly on uh, Alfreton. I noticed that uh, Connor Branson got his his goal uh, there on his debut for Alfreton Town. Moved over there from from so that was good for him. But I, I think that was probably one of the only high spots there for for Alfreton. But a huge, huge win that is for Darlington because you know Darlington would have had a big expectations this season they've got a fantastic manager there in Ellen Armstrong who moved there, just down the road from Blythe um, in, um, in the close season and they would have expected to be doing a little bit better than what they are at the moment. The form is pretty mediocre. They've, uh, they've won two and lost three in the last five games, but that's something that can really turn your season. Alfreton is a tremendously difficult place to go, especially this season, and to win a game in, in that manner, and I did see the interview with Alan Armstrong at the end of the game. He looked like he'd been through the mill, as you would expect, and um, seeing some of the tweets, and others there's a lot of fans dancing fans are very active on twitter so it's always a good barometer to to go on and see how they're feeling at, at the end of the matches and i think that might sort of galvanize everyone and there was a lot who made the trip yesterday, and I think you might see them moving up the up the table now. It's one of those key moments. I remember uh, a few seasons ago, Stockport County had um, they played Fylde at home a few seasons ago. They lost two one against Fylde, but they played absolutely magnificently, and that was the catalyst for them moving up the table. They they went on something like a twenty one twenty two match unbeaten run after that, and I think that that could be one of those games for Darlington um, yesterday.
0: Good stuff, Chris. Uh, Boston, uh, they pulled off a home win 2-0 against Southport, keeps them in eighth place. And uh, Hereford, who uh, just ticking along quite nicely now, got a second-half winner against Kettering Town. But it's on the poppies I want to focus on now. Uh, They said goodbye to Nicky Eden in the week, and uh, we caught up with uh, Northamptonshire journalist uh, John Dunham to get his take on things.
5: This week we, we learnt of the news that Nicky Eden had been sacked as Kettering Town manager and joining me now to chat more about it is John Dunham from the Northamptonshire Telegraph. Hiya John. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, cheers. Now, I saw your tweet on the morning after the FA Cup defeat by Sutton Coldfield Town for Kettering and uh, basically you, you kind of hinted that it was going to be a busy day and so it proved as, as Nicky Eden was sacked and, uh, and all the Kettering Town on came out and said he believed it was the right time you act to act and you also set a tweet out saying it's more or less the same thing as well the writing was on the wall for him after that game
6: yeah it's been a it's been a, a really eventful day i think when uh when that result came through last night i think there was just a general sense uh amongst catching fans and everyone in in general near to the club that that, that was it and and the reason for that isn't just down to the result last night um, in the cup. It's obviously it's obviously been the, the final straw as far as the board's concerned. But football is a results business, and it came to a it came to a crushing crushing end last night because you know uh, I think the club were were quite clear in their fact that the, the you know their aim for the season was to make sure they they tried to stay up more first and foremost. Um, I think they wanted to try and do that with a little bit of style if they could. Um, but first and foremost, they really wanted to make sure they stayed up But the, the second qualifier round the FA Cup. You're expected to go and win the game, and if you don't get the job done the first time, you're definitely expected to go and get it done the second time, and, and Ketchum did, and, and throw that on top of the poor start they've had, and uh, I think it was a relatively straightforward decision for, for the Ketchum board in the end, and I haven't heard that many people arguing with it.
5: What happened in the summer, John, regarding Marcus Law? Because it was a bit of a surprise when he left.
6: You know, there, there have been various rumours. I'm not going to go over them because I think everyone's seen them and, and I don't know. I can't substantiate them with anything that I've got either. So, you know, it was disappointing because he did get them up and it would have been interesting to see him, uh, him have a go at leading them into it. But, you know, <laughs> football's football and... And Catching Town. It's most definitely Catching Town. You've got to expect the unexpected when you're dealing with Catching Town. So the season, taken the course that the course that it has, Nick Eden came in, you know, and I think the board have given him every chance to try and get it right, in there, you know, with with, with plenty of time. And but last night was the uh, last night was the was the tip of the iceberg, I'm afraid. And uh, yeah, I think it was uh, a. I think it was. I even I think it was the right decision. And old back managers forever because I hate seeing them sacked I hate dealing with the stories when they're sacked but so, uh, I I think they were left with no choice after last night
5: on Tuesday night final question then the new manager will have a lot of work to do defensively because you've had some crazy games this year including that game against Kidderminster when they were 3-1 up and lost 5-3 they've just been conceding a lot of goals haven't they no definitely
6: they've been conceding too many and yeah, they've got some. They've got some work to do to really tidy up these these mistakes. And if they do that, which they did against Hamilton in that game, you know, they barely made a mistake in that game, and they end up winning two one. So they have got it in them, but they've, they've got to try and get it in them consistently to uh, to get out of this uh, get out of this trouble they're in at the
5: moment. Brill. Well, John, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to see who gets a point in the future. No worries.
0: Thanks a lot. That was John Dunham, and uh, interesting to get his take on things, Chris. Kettering Town are one of the sides that when they came back up to the National League North, you really thought that they should be able to compete at this level, uh, you know, this season. But it hasn't really worked out that way.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a surprise, isn't it? Especially when you look at the form of Lynn as well, who came up uh, via the, well, it was called the Super Playoffs, I think, wasn't it, last mm. season as well. And you would have expected Kettering to... Uh, to maybe be that team, who would be up there in third, but no, instead they're lingering in in twentieth. They've made a, a decision early on in the season to uh, to make a change, as you just mentioned with Nicky Eden uh, leaving the club. And um, there, I mean, when teams get in this division, sometimes there's uh, they work so hard to get back up here of Kettering that there's a there's a sort of a panic, if you like, that they have to now stay in this division. I think they'll be fine, by the way, because. And the reason is, we just spoke about the, uh, the woeful form of, uh, of Bradford Park Avenue. And I know uh, we'll come to it in a second, but, uh, but Blythe had a, a decent um, afternoon yesterday. And I think those two teams are going to struggle. So if, if Kettering can put a run of form together with two to go down, they might be fine. But uh, yeah, they've, they've made that change. And uh, a disappointing loss yesterday to, to a Hereford team who have picked up in the last couple of games. So it was no easy game going to Hereford. Very difficult place to go. But let's see, I think we've just got to sit sit back and see what happens over the next few weeks at Kettering to, uh, to be able to make an informed decision and I think that's what the fans are going to be doing as well.
0: All the best to Kettering Town. Hereford meanwhile march on and they're just two places and one point outside the playoffs. Uh, just a couple of other games to focus on on the Na- in the National League North. Uh, Spennymoor Town uh, in the battle of the lower mid-table teams yesterday. Well, they inflicted yet another defeat on Kidderminster Harriers who uh, would expect to be far, far better positioned than 14th place at this stage and a late winner for your man Taylor, Chris.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes uh yeah he's uh he's a great player isn't he and uh spending more now picking up it, they've had a it was a difficult start to the season let's face it they they couldn't play a, a few of the games at home but um that seems to be behind them now and the they're, they're picking up form they're gaining a bit of momentum and i expect them to move up the league because there's a there's a hell of a lot of quality there kid is to harry as well um I just think that uh, they've spent so long in this in this division now. You know they've been there what three or four seasons or something like that. Every season I look at them and think they should be up there. They should be there and thereabouts. And each season now uh, they had a good start when they first moved in the division, but now they're just. Um, do you know what I like in them? There's a lot of clubs there that that should really be doing better. I'd put Boston in that. In that category, although Boston now look to be challenging for a playoff place, Southport as well, Kidderminster, big clubs, big followings, and teams that you expect to be doing better. And you know, I dread to think what the, what the mood is like because they certainly don't want to be 14th at this stage of the season. A lot of chopping and changes with managers over the last few seasons, as well as well at Kidderminster. I don't think yesterday's barometer as I say, I think is a tough place to go. But you know, Kidderminster need to turn this season around very quickly.
0: Yeah, and final word on this week's podcast does go to that side, Blythe Spartans, that you touched on a few minutes ago. Prior to Saturday, they had only scored four goals in their first 11 games. They had yet to manage a win. But they found uh, someone who found a little bit of form was midfielder Callum Roberts, who smashed in a hat-trick, Chris. What about that one? A 3-1 win for Blythe Spartans over a very sorry-looking Telford United at the minute
1: well great win for Blythe first of all isn't it fantastic when you when you're stranded down at the bottom on two points you've got a couple of draws you just don't know where that next win's coming from and uh, they finally did it and what an emphatic win as well now obviously we've got a a, a word for our NL full time colleague uh, Dickie Wharton who uh, made the journey up to Blythe yesterday in horrendous weather conditions as well it was uh, it was an awful day in the north of England yesterday and um, (laughs) alright And it was probably no more awful place than than Blythe, which is the furthest north of all the teams that we do cover in the national league uh divisions and um, you no, know, I did notice that Dickie did um, did put a tweet out and he's, he's done a little report about that, that trip up for Telford and he did say it's something that is happening a bit too often, some of the, some of the performances and uh, two losses in a row now for, for Telford and uh, again another team where 16th is not where they would have expected to have been at this stage of the season.
0: Not at all Chris, thank you so much. As ever, uh, that wraps up the National League North Roundup for this week. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, Rob. Have a good week and uh, hopefully we'll speak again next weekend. Yeah, cheers, Rob. So thanks to Chris and to Tom for joining us today and thanks uh, for all those who uh, spoke with us the nl full-time podcast this week don't forget to uh, follow us on twitter at nl full time and uh, subscribe to us on uh, spotify itunes or wherever you get your podcasts from so that each episode automatically uploads i've been rob warrell and we'll speak to you again soon